You're listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your host, Dan. We're switching it up. We're putting you first, Dan, from ACC content and your, your lovely voice here, Micah, from Fifth Quarter ACC. Uh, we're pretty excited. Obviously, we've got to see a little bit of college football this weekend. Uh, what I thought was going to be a shootout, considering I honestly missed the first touchdown because I was four minutes late to turning it on for kickoff, but it ended up being a, pretty much a defensive battle. But good to see college football back. So we're going to talk our 2020 ACC preseason accolades, our first and second team awards, as well as some other accolades, including coach of the year, player of the year, most improved team, and so much more. So that being said, Dan, how you doing? Excited that we're less than, I guess it would be 13, 12 days out now from, actually Thursday is the first game. So I think we might be 10 days out from ACC football. Yeah, I'm just, you know, we're actually doing podcasts that are previewing like the season like obviously we've been doing the teams but that's been kind of like filler we are actually like previewing the season and this is very exciting absolutely absolutely so with that being said Dan I think we should kind of kick things off uh I know obviously we should let people know who are listening at home that you know we will be doing some power ranking releases with a thanks to all those who participated we'll be going through the power rankings here uh, later this week and then next week we're going to be doing some week one previews uh obviously we'll kind of talk about the different games starting in week one some of the big ones clemson wake forest uh I, I wish i didn't have to say miami uab is a big game but with miami and conference usa it's a pretty big game so looking forward to that but we're going to dive right into our preseason first and second teams so kicking it off with the quarterbacks i've got first team trevor lawrence I would like to assume that's going to be yours. Uh, I'm going to actually let you say your first two because I think my second team is going to catch you off guard. So I'm going to let you say your first and second team, and then I'll say mine. See, knowing you, I knew you would, you know, go with a little bit different. But, um, yeah, first team, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, that's the easy decision. He's the best quarterback in the country, especially with um, Justin Fields not even playing. Second team, I went with the uh, popular choice in Sam Howell from North Carolina. To me, this was the obvious choice, just the guy's on target with, like, every single throw, not afraid to go downfield, and actually, in fact, he, like, rarely ever does check downs. Um, I don't see anybody else really close to him, in my opinion. Maybe D.R. King, if he reaches all that hype, but even so, I just think Howell is the easy choice. But um, what were you thinking that was different than Howell? I got Hendon Hooker. Virginia Tech, I know we pre- I preached it on the Virginia Tech, Virginia pod we did, and I've probably preached on every podcast we've ever had a chance to mention Hendon Hooker's name. Give me a quarterback in 2020 that's not going to turn the ball over. That's Hendon Hooker. So you're right, Sam Howell probably, especially arm strength-wise, is the second best, if not maybe even arguably just as good arm talent-wise as Trevor Lawrence in the ACC. But I want a quarterback that's not going to turn the ball over. I, I trust, I trust uh, Hendon Hooker to make the right reads right make the right play plus I think he's a little bit more of a threat with his legs and people kind of give him credit for so kind of an under the radar thing this is kind of telling you a little bit of how my power rankings will go of course uh, later this week with Virginia Tech but yeah I the more and more I watched Hendon Hooker I watched three Virginia Tech games over the weekend when I was bored you know yeah we're kind of in quarantine kind of not but I don't know I'm just <laughs> give me that's my sleeper give, give me Hendon Hooker <laughs> Right. I mean, I I kind of – I would be kind of off guard, but I feel like you've kind of alluded to this on the past. So, 
I'm just going to leave it at that, and um, we'll just see what happens. And we'll see if you have Hendon Hooker on your end-of-the-year ACC awards, which I assume we'll probably just do the exact same as we've done preseason. Absolutely. So who, who are your running backs, Dan? Um, running backs. So first team, I thought these two were also pretty easy. I think it'll kind of get harder as we go. Um, first team, Travis Etienne from Clemson. And um, second team, Javion Hawkins from Louisville. There are plenty of good running backs in the ACC. Um, some other good options, you know, David Bailey. Jordan Mason's yards after contact grades are insane, but I just couldn't pull the trigger because Hawkins had that 1,500 rushing yard year in his, um, I think, redshirt freshman season last year. So I thought that that was just the easy choice and the safe choice. Yeah, so I have a little bit of a change-up. First team is Travis Etienne as well, so we're on the same page there. My second team is actually going to be David Bailey from Boston College. And I, I guess I might be giving this – we'll, we'll see as we go through uh, our uh, offensive line first and second team. So maybe I'm giving, giving him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt just of, you know, what to expect. Plus, you know, Boston College is going to be very run heavy in 2020. I mean, I mean obviously getting Djurkovic's waiver approved is huge, but not sure how I feel about it. I still think they're going to have to rely on the run game a lot this season. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that, but I, I can't argue with you with Javion Hawkins. He's definitely I, – I, I wish I could put two running backs on, on second team because I'd probably have both uh, or probably even have, you know, you know, one of them even sleep into us if I can have a second running back on first team because that's how close those guys are. Yeah, that's fair because um, A.J. Dillon, who, you know, a lot of people are basically saying is – David Bailey is A.J. Dillon 2.0. Dillon had more rushing yards than – um Hawkins last year so and you have to expect Boston College yes they have the new coaching staff but their team is still designed you know around the run game so you have to expect them to continue to stick with that as their bread and butter maybe just not as drastic and a little bit more 21st century style but um wide receivers I got first team Tutu Atwell from Louisville Tamori on Terry from Florida State and Amari Rogers from Clemson, and um, on my second team, Daz Newsome and Deami Brown, both from North Carolina. And I'm not sure if you have this one, but Terrell Janna from Virginia. I just think, um, you know, he's going to benefit a lot from – he had a big year as the wide receiver three last year. Now he's the wide receiver one, and I think he is far and away the best receiver in that offense. Um, I think Brown and Newsome will both have – um, another thousand yard seasons, especially if teams try to pressure how Brown especially could benefit from that. Just, you know, catch a quick slant and make a big play out of that. And um, Amari Rogers on the first team, you know, he is stud. He's going to be the first option at Clemson and they're going to be putting up points. So I had to go with him there and Atwell and Terry. Those are just easy choices in my opinion, but what were you thinking for wide receivers? And so the, the first two you mentioned are also on my first team uh, with Tutu Atwell from Louisville and Tamari and Terry from Florida State. I actually have Daz Newsom on first team, though, from UNC. I mean, uh, I kind of did that shocker there of putting Hendon Hooker second uh, over Sam Howell. So it's kind of contradicting myself, but I feel like the, 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 the pass game for UNC is going to be huge this year. And 
we saw how explosive that offense was last year. I think one of my favorite college football games I watched last year in 2020 had to have been that UNC um, Virginia game. And really a lot, probably top five games in the ACC last year, I'd say three or four included UNC. So really enjoyed just, you know, watching how explosive that offense is. I think Daz Newsom's just a little bit better than De'Ami Brown. So those guys are kind of neck and neck on who could go back and forth. I, honestly, they're interchangeable. Amari Rodgers is a key piece again, but I think that Clemson's going to be a little bit more run heavy than they have been in years past. I actually have Taj Harris as my last one on that list from Syracuse. Uh, honestly, I think that if Syracuse has any chance, like we mentioned, to kind of be you know somewhat relevant this year and not be slept on, Tommy DeVito is going to need somebody to throw the ball to. And I really like Taj Harris's size. He's quick. He's elusive. He showed some real potential last season. Um, I also had Trey Turner right there on the list as well. Um, I actually, when I originally did this list, thought we needed four wide receivers. So I had Trey Turner on my second team as well. Of course, had to cut the, uh, the, the second or that last receiver spot. Trail Jan is a good point. Uh, I do like him a lot. Honestly, I, I mean, I think Terrell Jan might be the better receiver, but I'm a big fan of Billy Kemp if we're going to pick somebody from Virginia. So maybe that's where that kind of lies. So can't disagree there. I'd make the argument that Harris and Turner are a little bit better than Terrell Jana, but, you know, it's 2020. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I like the Taj Harris pick, to be honest. I think the Syracuse offense, you know, DeVito's going to need a weapon, and he's going to be the main guy. I mean, there's Nikeem Johnson. There's some uh, young talent in there, but – I, I like that Taj Harris pick. He wasn't in consideration for me, but I'm really liking it. Um, but anyway, moving on to tight ends. First team was Brevin Jordan from Miami. I think that's a pretty um, clear choice. He's among the best tight ends in the country. Second team, this one is a little bit of a question mark. I went with Hunter Long for Boston College. Uh, you know, with the – he was – I, was he their leading receiver or one of their leading receivers for Boston College last year? Obviously, they never threw the ball, but when they did, he was a main target. He caught everything, and I said they're going to rely on the run game, but they will throw a little more, so I like Hunter Long for second team. Plus, he's a great blocker. Um, I wonder who you're going with. Marshawn Ford was tempting, but is what are you thinking for um, tight end first team and second team? So, I can't believe this. My first team, you never even mentioned his name. Really? Noah Gray from Duke. Damn. 51 receptions, 392 yards. That's an average of 7.7 yards per catch. Three touchdowns last season for Duke. We want to talk about how Duke's passing game can't get any worse than it was last year with um, – why am I forgetting his first name? Quentin Harris. I know his last name was Harris. but not remember his first name. to saved my life for a second there. I think with Chase Bryce – I mean, this might just be a little bit of bias with the whole – you know, Chase Bryce, when Clemson had to hold off Syracuse that time he came in, what was his big thing was check downs to the tight ends and the running backs. So maybe that's just kind of kicking in here too. Also, one thing we kind of mentioned, you know, when we did our Duke preview pod was the receivers really, really got to step up this season. We had a lot of question marks about the receiving core. So I think Noah Gray is going to be the top target for Chase Bryce. I think Duke improves this year offensively. And with that means, you know, the tight end is going to probably get to see a couple more opportunities. So. Give me Noah Gray as my first team just because I think he's going he's gonna to be that guy that might have I, – I could see 60 receptions this season. And, you know, to be honest, it wouldn't completely shock me uh, with all of that. Then my second team is Brevin Jordan. I mean, 
my my thing with Brevin Jordan, if he wasn't coming off an injury, I'd be a little bit more likely to put him first team just because he probably is – actually, not probably. He probably he is the best NFL-talented tight end in the ACC. I do worry about the injury a little bit and how much production he has. Also, I think De'Ara King might not be throwing to the tight end as much. I, I don't know. I'm kind of factoring in other, other pieces to this. So, with that, I think I'm going to go with Noah Gray and then Brevin Jordan as my second team. Yeah, I – See, I like the Noah Gray pick potentially as a second team. I think uh, first team is a little overboard, but no, that's not bad because, yeah, Chase Bryce will be, you know, improving the passing game and the passing production a lot a lot in that offense. And, you know, they have Jalen Calhoun, but they, they need other receivers to throw to, and Noah Gray is definitely capable. So that's not a bad pick. Um, offensive line, uh, I went mostly based off of, like, what the analytics said and like the PFF stuff, because it's kind of hard to just watch and go based off the eye test unless you're like deep watching film. Uh, I went a little bit based off of the film that I did see and the reputation that they have. But anyway, first team, I have two Clemson guys, both of their tackles, Jackson Carmen and Jordan McFadden. I have Jimmy Morrissey from Pitt and I have two Boston college guys, Tyler Vrabel and Alec Lindstrom. On my second team, I have a third Boston College guy, Ben Petrula, Christian Darisaw from Virginia Tech, Joe Schoolthorpe from NC State, Olusegun Oluwatimi from Virginia, and Jordan Tucker from North Carolina. Now, the offensive line could kind of defer a lot, so I'm expecting you have a bunch of different selections than me just because, you know, there's so many options. But um, what are you thinking for the offensive line? Yeah, so – uh, my first team is all Boston College. <laughs> it's the Boston College Award. I got Alec Lindstrom, like you mentioned, Zion Johnson, and Ben Petrula, all from Boston College. I've got Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech as well in that spot. And Jackson, is it, is it Carmen, correct? Yeah, Carmen, Carmen for Clemson. So that, that's my five first team. Second team, I've got Jimmy Morrissey from Pitt. You mentioned him as well as Jordan McFadden from Clemson. But also give me Jack DeFour from Georgia Tech. And I can never say his name right. Akeem Okawanu from NC State. He uh, he gets a lot of love for his size. So I'm just going to kind of go with it um, just purely based off of all of the preseason camp reports. I've kind of heard his name has been thrown around as a, a key piece to look at for NC State's offensive line this year. And, you know, if they want to improve, they might need a sleeper offensive lineman to kind of step up to protect, um, you know, that, that rotating quarterback position they've got going on there. And then I've got Zach Tom from Wake Forest. That might be a little bit of a biased pick. Um, but, again, I, I think that, you know, he, he got a lot of love, again, from his preseason camp. Or I guess we're going to say preseason camp. It's the last week or two of practice. Um, from a lot of the beat writers that have been covering kind of, you know, if you look at Coach Clawson's notes, he's mentioned Zach Tom a few times. So kind of had to throw some Wake Forest love in there. So, again, like you mentioned, with the offensive line, there's so many so many different parts, you know, that can move anywhere. These guys, you know, you know, if, if one of them starting a right guard but then has to go step over to left guard, their production could increase, it could decrease, and it doesn't really show how great of an offensive lineman they truly are. So, I think this was probably the, the hardest one to kind of, you know, have agreeance on. But, you know, I think the ACC as a whole, offensive line-wise, pretty solid, honestly. I was going through and started plugging in, looking up some of these guys. I'm going to be honest, I, didn't heard, I haven't heard of all of them. And 
the more and more I got into it, the more I really, really enjoyed these different options. Yeah, that's, that's true because the offensive lines get a bad reputation in the ACC. Just look at the defensive lines they're going against. That's probably why they're graded so badly. Um, but looking at the defensive line, I have for, for my first team, obviously there's no Jalen Twyman, so this is going to be tough. Oh, and by the way, I'm, I think we both decided to go with the 4-3 defense because of how stacked the coverage is at defensive line, even without uh, Gregory Rousseau and Jalen Twyman. But um, here's my first team for defensive line. Marvin Wilson from Florida State. Uh, Carlos Boogie Basham from Wake Forest. Chris Rump from Duke. And Quincy Roche from Miami. Uh, I think Chris Rump might be the biggest, you know, pick that has people thinking, but I, I really like him. PFF is all over him, and he is just a great pass rusher and has a ton of pressures last year, a ton of hurries. So, you know, he is also raved about by NFL scouts. Second team, this is where we're going to go with our two pit guys, Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones. Um, Tyler Davis from Clemson, of course. It's always got to be somebody from Clemson. And Victor Mukeji from Duke. So, you know, two Duke guys in there, that will – that pass rush is kind of scary. So, two pick guys, two Duke guys, and, um, yeah. So, what were you thinking for your uh, defensive line? Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you not say Carlos Basham? I did. First team. Oh, you did. Okay. I must have must have just missed it when I looked down at my notes to see how much of a difference it was, and I must have just completely skipped over his name. So, yeah, my first team defensive line, Marvin Wilson, Florida State. Carlos Boogie Basham from Wake Forest. Shout out the Roanoke area where I'm originally from. Quincy Roche from Miami. And then I've got actually Victor Mukeji from Duke on that first team spot. I had Jalen Twyman. Completely forgot that uh, he has opted out for 2020. So, Moo Mukeji up there for Duke. Uh, rounding out that second team now, we got, like you mentioned, the two pit guys, Patrick Jones and Rashard Weaver. I actually have Xavier Thomas from Clemson as well as Tyler Davis from Clemson. Um, you know, <laughs> it's plug-in place with Clemson defense, you know, Brent Venables. I mean, they're, they're just all five stars. I mean, it's one of those things where those guys can really make an impact right off the bat. Um, I'm very interested in your Chris Rumpf choice. Um, I was actually pretty high on him. I did some reading, and maybe you know my the, the reading kind of swayed me. But especially Phil Steele, if you had in his magazine, he's not very high on Chris Rumpf. He actually had him fourth team All ACC, which kind of threw me off a little bit because I thought he'd be a little bit higher than that. Um, and the more I kind of read on it, some of his points made a little bit of sense. Um, there's also a good point, a good a good opportunity, I guess, with the offensive line that you know the ACC kind of has going for it, where it has improved a little bit for 2020. You know, Chris Ruff might see the uh, the majority of those double teams, so it could allow Demu Kaji. That's something that Phil still did mention in his magazine. So, other than that, I mean, I, I like your I like your choices. Um, someone that I talked to, um, big Virginia fan, he tried to convince me that Mandy Alonzo was a second team All ACC guy. Not sure how I feel about that one. I mean, I think that he's, you know within the, the honorable mention category. So obviously I want to throw, throw his name out there as well as Justice Reed from Virginia Tech. But not completely completely sold on the whole Mandy Alonzo thing. But I know you you uh, you follow Virginia pretty well. Do you think Mandy Alonzo could have a first or second team all ACC year? So Virginia does need pass rushers. And um, they are they're very stacked on defense, but probably their 
weakest position depth-wise is a defensive line. So I think if they really need somebody to step up, Mandy Alonzo is the guy. But then again, there's also Jawan Briggs there. So I, I don't know. I, I'd be more inclined to pick Briggs over Alonzo, if anybody, on that line. It, um, Chris Rump, I, I, you make good points about him, but he was – I think he was rated by PFF like the second best returning defensive player or something like that. Quincy Roche, by the way, was I think third. So um, I just I just couldn't not put him on the first team for the conference. That that was just I couldn't not do that. But um, anyway, going to the linebackers, um, first team, bunch of studs. Chaz Surratt from North Carolina. Um, this kind of goes against what PFF says because. They didn't actually grade him that well. Very good as a pass rusher, not great in coverage, but just watching him, you can't leave him off. He's very uh, critical to the success of that North Carolina defense. Then there's Rayshard Ashby um, from Virginia Tech, the, also on my first team for linebackers, very well-rounded. And Charles Snowden, the um, outside backer from Virginia. Second team, I went Max Richardson from Boston College, James Skalski from Clemson, and Noah Taylor from Virginia. Um, these picks overall I didn't have too much trouble with. Uh, I, I want to mention some honorable mentions as well. Rajay Burns from Louisville, Cam Bright from Pitt, and Zane Zandier from Virginia. But um, I'm pretty confident with my choices. You know, there's a good group of linebackers in the ACC. What do you have for your first team and second team linebackers? So we had the exact same thing, Dan. I had the exact same thing. Maybe, you know, the order that you said them in, now that it matters, was a little different. But we each had – I had the exact same thing as Surratt, Ashby, and Snowden, first team. Uh, Skolaski, Taylor, and Richardson as my second team. Uh, my honorable mentions, though, you mentioned a few of them. Zane Zandier made the list as well as Isaiah Moore from NC State. Zach McLeod and Dax Hollyfield were kind of uh, – Zach McLeod more than Dax Hollifield were kind of on that second to third team area. Dax Hollifield's a piece of Virginia Tech that, you know, Hokie fans swear he's one of the best defenders in the country. I'm not completely sold on him. I will say he's, he's a gritty player, but you know, he was something that someone I could see, you know, making some or making some noise, excuse me, in 2020. But our linebackers lined up perfectly, which I didn't think we were going to agree on, on much this, uh, this, uh, this episode, Dan, but I guess we had at least one full agreement. <laughs> yeah, that that's actually crazy. What are the odds of that? Because they're especially with six different guys to pick. But um, yeah, I was pretty confident with these picks, so I guess that plays a role. But uh, moving on to cornerbacks, I have first team. So I, Caleb Farley was far and away the best corner in the ACC. Just got to mention him. He opted out, but um, NFL first round pick for sure. Uh, so my first team for corners was Darion Kendrick from Clemson and Jermaine Waller from Virginia Tech. So Virginia Tech is perfectly fine in their defensive backfield. They got plenty of guys to step up, Jermaine Waller being one of them. Second team, I went Trace Willing from Georgia Tech. Um, very good coverage skills from him. And Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State. Uh, with Damari Mathis also getting hurt, this kind of was easy for me, but do you have anybody different for your corners? So I may have done it a little bit differently than you, Dan. I actually just have four defensive backs. That's because with 
the amount of plug in place. I know we have some pure safeties and cornerbacks, but we even saw it last year. You know, a great example would be UVA secondary and how many injuries they took. You know, guys moved from cornerback to to safety, and a lot of times, different groups do different things. I kind of followed Phil Steele's way of doing defensive backs, but. In terms of the cornerbacks itself, I got second team. We were on the exact same page with Asante Samuel and Trey Swilling. Uh, those were my two second team guys. Um, in terms of defensive backs, it looks like, you know, I, if I remember correctly, Cisco and Ford are both safeties. So I had them actually in my uh, safety or in my defensive back first team. But if I were going to go just cornerback, I would throw, you mentioned him, of course, from Clemson, De'Aaron uh, Kendrick. He'd be a solid option there, um, as well as Jermaine Waller from Virginia Tech would would be in that mix. I'd probably move Asante Samuel up the first team and put Jermaine Waller at my second team. But um, I'll let you do your safeties, and then I'll just go through what my how I had my DB set up, and we'll see how we kind of align there. All right, that's fair. Um, you know, we design our defense differently. I guess you kind of preach versatility. Well, I'm more set with my positions, but um, yeah, for safeties. Harris Ford and Hamsa Nazaril Dean for from Florida State was my um, second first team safety, and I actually had Andre Cisco on the second team from Syracuse, and um, Joey Blunt was my final option. I think he's kind of a step below the other three, but Joey Blunt from Virginia was my second second team All ACC player. I'll tell you why I went Nazaril Dean over Cisco. I just think he's more well rounded. Um, Cisco. You know, he's going to be a very good NFL player. He might be a better NFL player, but – and, you know, with all those great coverage skills. But he kind of gave up big plays last year. And um, so that that might – that kind of was the difference maker for me. Also an honorable mention to who I have a feeling you have, Wakes Nasir Greer. Um, by the way, him and Cisco playing together would be perfect because Greer's speed – could have let Cisco be aggressive and bail him out. So if this was an actual team, this would be great. But, um, yeah, what were the rest of your defensive backs? Yeah, so this is where I get burned because my entire first team defensive backs were all safeties. <laughs> so in terms of, you know, the whole versatility thing, um, I'll just read off the four that I had for my first team, <laughs> even though they technically should have been cornerbacks and then safeties. I had Andre Cisco. He'd probably be my actual first Sort choice for first team for the uh, safety position. I'm a huge fan of him. You bring up a good point, though. I think a lot of times when he gave up those big plays last season, that was more on the fact the pieces around him kind of left him out to dry. But I can definitely see that argument, and it does play a role into you know your overall contribution on the team. Uh, I had Paris Ford from Pitt as well. Um, I had Hassam Dean from Florida State, and I had. Nasir Greer as well on the first team um, from Wake Forest. Then I had Joey Blunt and DeMar Hamlin as well on that second team. So (laughs) the ACC safety-wise is in great shape for 2020, that's for sure. Um, Obviously, we we kind of designed our teams a little bit differently. But I think we all kind of covered the same players. So I think we're all kind of on the same page page there. Another guy I kind of want to mention Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech is a solid good option, as well as Gian Thomas, Juan, I I can never say his name right, forgive me, uh, from Georgia Tech. But, again, those are all, I think, safety-wise, the uh, ACC is in some pretty good spots. 
yeah, I agree. Um, we are we are definitely much better off at safety than corner. So um, that's fair. If I if I was doing all defensive backs, I'd probably have something similar to you with like three or four safeties um, in my first team and six or seven overall. But we also decide to do special teams. So um, we'll start with kickers. First team, knowing you, this is definitely what you did also. Nick Skiba from Wake Forest. Uh, second, the GOAT. Of course. Um, second team, this was, you know, there's, there's a couple guys you could say, but I said, um, you know, the, the guy that's more highly touted around the country, and that is Andre Smite from uh, Syracuse. So uh, what were you thinking for kickers for your second team? I know your first team is definitely Nick Skiba, if I'm correct. And Nick Skiba won't miss a kick this year, guys. Mark that down. Um, love Nick Skiba. Absolute phenomenal kicker. Great leg strength. His accuracy is phenomenal. Um, my second team, though, is Chris Dunn for, or Christopher Dunn from NC State. Uh, I went back and forth between him and Andre Smith from Syracuse. Um, I feel like with NC State's offense this year, they're they're not going to score a lot of touchdowns. I feel like I don't know. After watching last year's team, they did struggle in the red zone. I don't know. I think I, I think I, I think Chris Dunn's going to have more of an important role for NC State. Where it wouldn't shock me if Syracuse will finish. Like, is either going to score six or score zero? I don't see them kind of struggling once they get close to the red zone. But That's- I could be wrong. Another guy I want to mention is Brian Johnson from Virginia Tech. I think he could play a huge role and everything, you know, going forward. But I'm, I'm kind of shocked when I was doing a lot of, you know, try to see if I was on the, around in the same boat as, as some of the uh, other, you know, well-touted, um, you know, college ball coverages, whether it be Athlon Sports, CBS Sports, um, Phil Steele, uh, Lindy Sports. No love for the great Virginia kicker, you know. After what he did last year, I know he struggled a little bit. Obviously, people sometimes kind of forget that he misses the extra point against, you know, Virginia Tech on that first drive. But how does Brian Delaney not get some love, uh, at least as a fourth-team guy in the ACC? Yeah. You know, he definitely has that clutch factor in him. So, you know, that's very important for kickers, making the game-winning field goal. And Brian Delaney has pretty good leg strength, too. He's kicked a couple from either 50 or 49. So, you know, I definitely agree. He's He should be getting more love from the country. And – um. That's completely fair about Christopher Dunn. You looked at it from more like a fantasy football perspective. Like these are the guys that are going to, you know, kick the most field goals in general and not like just the best overall. But looking at um, punters, I got, uh, of course, Oscar Bradford from Virginia Tech. I think that's just as easy a pick. Um, He is, you know, just phenomenal. And he is, I believe – Whatever I forgot what the award name is, but whatever it is, puncher of the year, he's gonna potentially win that. And um, second team, I went with Trenton Gill from NC State. Uh, I'm not I'm not that much knowledgeable about the punters as you are, but I just looked at the stat wise, and Trenton Gill is the best choice for second team punter. But what were you thinking? Yeah, no, first team is Oscar Bradburn. I fully agree there. Um, my second team is actually Lou Headley from uh, Miami. Last year, he got a lot of opportunities to punt. <laughs> he had 64 punts, averaged about 44 yards per punt, um, had a long of 67. He, he has a really booming leg. 
Um, he's kind of, you know, he gets the, he has an Aussie look to him. So he has a, you know, more of a, I guess you could say a swagger to him too. So I think that the way Miami's going to be this year, I think that he'll play a huge role in flipping that field position. And, and he, maybe his, his stats, you know, his PFF type numbers won't, you know, maybe translate like to more of a, he's an NFL type punter by any means, but I think it could, I mean, he might, he might have that, you know, kind of again, clutch factor with pinning teams deep and, and things like that. Another guy I want to mention to you, obviously you mentioned, mentioned it as uh, with your second team, but I also kind of want to mention Nash Griffin. I think he from Virginia could be a huge piece in flipping the script. Um, and also finally Clemson has a, a, a really, really good punter in Will Spears, yeah. which, Granted, they never really have to use them, but, you know, if, if they do need to rely on him this year, I definitely can trust him. So he's another good honorable mention choice. But he'll probably never get an award for anything because Clemson just doesn't punt enough. Yeah, I actually I'm, – I'm glad you mentioned that because I was reading this thing from uh, – what's his name? David Hale, the big ACC kind mm-hmm. of, like, analytics kind of uh, statistical guy, and he – I think he might have had Spears on his first team, if not his second team for punters. I don't know how you go with him over Bradburn, but that's just what he had. So I was very interested in that. All in all, I guess the teams that struggle more with kicking will be getting better. And there won't be like teams in the ACC, maybe a couple, but there won't be as many teams in the ACC that, you know, you get to the 10, 15 yard line and you're still not sure you're going to score points because that's just ridiculous. But and at least the ACC recruit kickers, shout out to the SEC that can't no, – none of those teams, minus Georgia, can really find a true kicker. Hey, we recruit kickers, and I honestly think our quarterbacks are better than the SEC this year. A lot of people actually agree with me on that. But, I do. I agree. But uh, I guess moving on with the awards, next we got Offensive Player of the Year. I think um, – I've interpreted this as kind of an MVP award, so there's kind of two options, I think. One of them is Travis Etienne, who is, you know, the running back. But I think Trevor Lawrence from Clemson is always going to be my choice here because I think when we're talking about most valuable player, and that's how I interpret this award, it's always got to be a quarterback. And um, Trevor Lawrence is probably the best quarterback in the country. So that's who I went with. Um, Are you on the same page with me on that? So I'm I'm not. I'm with Travis Etienne, and I think – my three argument points would probably be the first one just being that again, I think the run game is going to be huge in 2020 for Clemson, um, especially with, you know, this is not saying that Trevor Lawrence is not as good of a quarterback as everyone hypes him up to be because he is, but you know, he is, he did lose some receivers that were huge. So that obviously factors into all of this. So considering how that plays out, that could affect just a little bit. Cause I mean, they're so neck and neck that could help tra- Travis Etienne a little bit more. Um, Second, just being, I think that, again, Travis Etienne, when it, when it mattered most, he got things going last year for Clemson in that Ohio State game that really kind of helped turn the tide. I could see him doing that in, like, the Notre Dame game or one of their, you know, more tougher games this year that they're struggling. But I think the third and final opinion is Travis Etienne came back for a reason. And I feel like if you came back knowing that you were going to get drafted, that you've, you've already won a national title, you really don't I mean, obviously you want to run it back because you didn't win your last season. but he came back for a reason, and I think that's going to help play a role where – I mean, I'm not going to get in trying to say that Trevor Lawrence is going to sleepwalk through the year or anything like that. But, you know, Trevor Lawrence is definitely more likely to do so than Travis Etienne because 
Lawrence knows he's going probably first or second overall in, 2020, in the 2021 NFL draft. So with Travis Etienne, he's got a lot more stock to, to improve on if he has a great year. So it could go either way. I, I don't think <laughs> – I definitely don't dislike your Trevor Lawrence pick, but I think that's kind of what swayed me to go with Travis Etienne for my offensive player of the year. Yeah, that's – I see, if I interpreted this as just – the way you did and how it's just the best offensive player compared to the rest of their players at their position. Yes, it's definitely Travis Etienne. He's far and away the best running back in the country. He could have been considered one of the best last year. And now, you know, with everybody else leaving and him staying, I definitely agree with that. And um, he's a pretty big piece in the receiving game too. So, you know, Etienne, definitely a very um, key piece to the Clemson offense and um, you know, they both of them. So that's why they're regarded as the best team in the country, even before all the teams um, in the big 10 and the PAC 12 deciding or op. Yeah. Deciding that you know, they're not playing football, but moving on to defensive player of the year, there are a ton of options for this. I went with Marvin Wilson from Florida state and um, that kind of contradicts what I did with the offense, because like, you know, the most valuable player is not usually going to be an interior defensive lineman, but he does have the attributes that are, you know, really valuable. Like he can get out of the passer, He could get after the passer, get some sacks, you know, he could really just stop an entire run game single-handedly. And he's the only one that is like that much way above the rest of his position. Every other position you could argue for who's the best, but, Marvin Wilson, easily the best interior defensive lineman. Maybe Paris Ford, but, you know, clearly not because you didn't have him as your best safety. So that's why I went with Marvin Wilson as my choice for defensive player of the year. I can't believe we agreed on this, Dan. I I honestly thought I was going on on a whim by saying Marvin Wilson. That's because, you know, with what we expect from Florida State in 2020, might not live up to what would be a defensive player of the year type um, performance. Boogie Basham did kind of come neck and neck for me because I think he might be a bigger piece um, overall for Wake Forest and Marvin Wilson at Florida State because he's got, you know, some other key pieces behind him. But exactly what you said. I mean, Marvin Wilson is the best defensive lineman in the ACC. I'd argue maybe even the best defensive lineman in the entire country. Uh, Again, he came back for a reason as well. So he's going to be out for blood. Uh, I just don't see how, um, you know, Florida State's going to have – an improved year, which we'll kind of get to a little bit. We talked about our most improved teams, not to give anything away. Uh, I think that that's just going to, you know, he's going to have to be the reason. And, I mean, like you mentioned with Marvin Wilson, I mean, he's getting just the best defensive lineman in, in, in the ACC, best at his position. And he is a game changer. If Florida State doesn't have him, I don't know if I have Florida State getting the 500 this year, to be completely honest. So I think that's huge in that aspect as well. Yeah, that's that's a fair point because Florida State is definitely going to be carried by. I mean, I think they have a good secondary, but you know they're they have some liabilities, but they have some positions that they are extremely talented at, such as you know their defensive line and especially that interior. So they will have to rely on that being a major major strength for them. But next we got special teams player of the year. Um, usually I could want to go with a returner from this, but there's no like Joe Reed type guy who was just like, you know, far and away the best returner and going to completely change the dynamic of the game. Maybe the Duke guy, Damon Philia Johnson, 
he was very good as a returner last year. But I got to go with your boy and the money kicker, Nick Skiba from Wake Forest. And um, I assume you're on the same page as me with that. I am. I also, if you know, if I, I was starting, I'm kind of with you. I kind of want to uh, kind of go with a returner of some sort. Uh, I actually was kind of leaning, if I was going to go with a returner, a punt returner, uh, you know, Thayer Thomas from NC State. He was phenomenal last season. I think, you know, he he could potentially stand out because of NC State's potential offensive struggles if he can flip the field uh, with his return game abilities. Could have potentially propelled him to, you know, the special teams player of the year. But I'm not going to go against my boy Nick Skiba, but not with the way he can, you know, his leg, just his accuracy again. I just – I can't say enough about the guy. So, obviously, Nick Skiba would be my top choice. But if I were leaning elsewhere, I think Thayer Thomas, or like you mentioned um, with, you know, DeMond, Philly Johnson at Duke on the kick return side of things, would not be bad options as well on that front. Yeah. I think this one deserves a little bit more of a discussion. Coach of the year. So um, there's a lot of different ways you go with this. I personally still have North Carolina as a potential ACC championship pick or not championship, but like making it to the ACC championship as that second team over Notre Dame. So I went with Mac Brown from North Carolina. Um, Maybe the argument against it could be North Carolina has their high expectations and it could be, more similar to the most improved team of the year kind of thing, which we will do. But I think aside from Notre Dame, who we did not include with this, they're the best bet for an ACC championship uh, spot. Um, Maybe Louisville too, but I think Satterfield already won it last year, so they kind of got to spread the wealth a little bit. And uh, another option could be Jeff Collins from Georgia Tech, just if they exceed – you know, everybody has low expectations, but they have a lot of upside, so maybe they exceed that. But I honestly think Georgia Tech still needs more time, so that's why I went with Mac Brown. Well, I'm actually going to go down the uh, further down Tobacco Road, uh, going in Durham with Coach Cutcliffe from Duke. Uh, the reason why I'm going with Coach Cutcliffe from Duke is probably the opposite of what you're doing, which is, you know, who's going to be contending for the ACC title. Obviously, I don't think Duke's at anywhere near that this season. But I think they're just going to take a huge step forward. Everyone's kind of counted Duke out. Um, you know, if you, you know, you read our wonderful Twitter followers' responses about Duke, they're all super low on the Blue Devils. I'm, I'm not saying that they're a 7-3 and three or with their non-conference 8-3, and 7-4 type team. But I could see them going 500 in the ACC. I think with just the pieces he has, he'll, he's going to put together something special. I think this is the year of 2020 where a weird team could compete in the ACC. Duke's kind of where I'm leaning. I, I was kind of looking at Dave Clawson, but you can't really say that he took a, a step forward, even though he's lost a lot of guys, especially with Surratt sitting out now. But, you know, with everything that is, I mean, they were eight and five last year, so they're not going to improve on that. So I, I don't think you can put him in that category. If I actually had a vote and we decided to do Notre Dame, I might lean Brian Kelly, <laughs> to be completely honest with you, just because of the fact that, I, in a in a 2020 world, do I think Clemson's better than Notre Dame? Absolutely. But could I see Notre Dame beating Clemson in the regular season? And remember, these awards come out the weekend of the AC Championship game, so it wouldn't. I wouldn't be completely shocked if Brian Kelly somehow won this award. I know we don't want to talk about Notre Dame on this show, but you know he he was actually my original right before I was like, that's right, we're not doing Notre Dame. So something to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, I completely get behind that 
but I just think they have high expectations anyway. And um, I think if anything, they don't meet them. So, but I think we got to pair, this is not an official award, but I think we got to pair this with coach of the year. And that is most improved team of the year, um, which is another one of the accolades that we kind of made up for fun. I think record wise, I'm also going to say North Carolina, you know, but I don't think they're the most improved team, like skill wise, because they lost a lot of close games last year. So they were kind of better than what their record shows. And even if they win like eight, nine, even 10 games this year, I don't think it takes that much of a major improvement. So skill wise, I'm going to go with Georgia tech. I think, um, you know, they might only jump from like two wins to four to five, but because of how difficult their schedule is, but I think that their team is just completely trending in the right direction. And, you know, talent-wise, they're improving. They have all these freshmen coming in. They're getting another year of experience. Um, they might have much more of a consistent offense and a competent defense. So that's where my mind is at for most improved team of the year. What were you thinking? Yeah, um, I like Georgia Tech with, you know, again, maybe not on the on the record sheet, but, you know, in terms of just overall growth of the program. Um, but I'm actually going to go with Duke as my most improved team. I think Florida State could maybe be in the argument there as well, but kind of with why I, of course, went with Coach Cl- or Coach Cutcliffe, excuse me, to win Coach of the Year. I think Duke, I mean, last year especially, down the stretch, I mean, they were five and seven, but four of those or three of those were non-conference wins. Um they did not look very good. I mean, they had the they had the Virginia Tech blowout, which I still don't know how that happens. I was, if I was a Virginia Tech fan, I would be I would still be losing sleep out of how the heck did that happen? Like, how in the heck did that happen? And to me, it still blows my mind that it happened. And I'm just gonna say it's Coach Coach, Coach Cutcliffe Magic, excuse me. But overall, I mean, I think that you know, I like do take a step forward this year. Uh, NC State could be another good option for that, but I'm not uh, until they until they give me a quarterback to deal with. I, I don't think I can give them too much love yet, but that's kind of where I'm lying at for for 2020. Yeah, um, and then next we have freshman of the year. Uh, so you know this is a redshirt freshman, but I think this is a pretty clear choice. I'm I'm about 75 percent confident that's your choice too. Donovan Green, the Wake Forest wide receiver. Um, he registered last year, like I said, but he really popped off in Serrata's absence in his four games. And, um, you know, with Sage Surratt opting out, he will be the number one option again. So definitely thinking Donovan Green is going to have a huge year this year. Uh, if we're thinking true freshmen, there are a ton of options, especially Georgia Tech has some – uh, Jeff Sims, the quarterback, if he starts, he has a lot of upside. And, um, you know, kind of talk about him a little bit with our best first-year starting QB of the year. Um, also, Jameer Gibbs, the running back. Everybody's so high on him, uh, the recruiting sites, and now Georgia Tech. And then on the defensive side, Byron Breezy, or Breeze, um, from Clemson. He's just a historic recruit. And even if there's – a ton of talent on that defensive line. They'll have to somehow get him in the lineup. So um, he's another option for freshman of the year. What were you thinking? Yeah, obviously, um, if we're going with the redshirt freshman, 
uh, Donovan Green. Everything you said about Surratt sitting out, and obviously did a great job in Surratt's absence last season. I think the biggest thing for me with him is more of the fact that Wake Forest is going to have to rely on the pass game this year. With that, with Cade Carney graduating, you know, they're going to – and they got some pieces in the backfield that can come in and, and kind of fill the void. But I expect with Sam Hartman's arm talent, they're going to kind of rely on the passing game a little bit more in 2020, kind of like how they did um, in those last few years there when they made the military bowl with – why am I drawing a blank on our – oh, John Walford. Uh, kind of the same type of offensive uh, system. So I could see that kind of playing out there. Um, and obviously you said it'll probably be the number one uh, target for Sam Hartman. So probably a, a pretty good pick there. I think, you know, true freshman, I think you kind of hit it on the, on the nail on the head with Jeff Sims um, if he gets the starting job. And even if he doesn't, I, I think in a year like 2020, if Georgia Tech – I mean, especially if we find out there is no bowl games – wouldn't shock me if, if you know, if it's neck and neck, if Jeff Sims gets, you know, half the reps at starting quarterback. So I think he could have a, a pretty big year there too as well. So um, that kind of, of course, transitions over to the new quarterback, newcomer quarterback of the By year. The way, did you, um speaking of John Walford, do you know, you know who the Rams backup quarterback job is between this year? Right. It's Walford and Perkins. Yeah. So we will see one of them if Jared Goff goes down. We will see one of them as an NFL starting quarterback. Just pointing that out there. But That's I awesome. proceed. So you know, with that, of course, I'll go ahead and lead this one off since um, you know I'm kind of talking about it. Uh, I don't want to do it, Dan. I just don't want to do it. But I'm going to have to say, De'Ara King, I uh, just can't. As much as I give him so much heat, because I don't think he's a top three to four quarterback in the ACC of our newcomers that are new to their programs, new first-time starters within their program. Um, he's probably the best bet. I think that Chase Bryce will be a better improvement in terms of quarterback from, you know, Quentin Harris to Chase Bryce is going to be a step up in Coach Cutcliffe's system. So that could, you know, that argument there could happen where even though, you know, of course, Miami's had the rotating door of wonderful quarterbacks between you know, Tate Martell was supposed to be the savior to Jaron Williams, who's now transferred out, to Nikozi Perry, who has one incredible game, and the next game he looks like he belongs in a D3 school. Um, so, again, that's a revolving door. But, you know, with Derek King, he might not be – I still think he's overrated, but of the newcomer quarterbacks. But, you know, Chase Bryce can make the argument there as well. But I'm curious who you have. Yeah, so for best first-year starting QB, I'm definitely thinking De'Eric King in terms of, you know, just the best overall, even if I think his floor is higher than the rest of the options and his ceiling is extremely high. Uh, but if you want to be nitpicky and say, you know, hey, De'Eric King was is not first technically a first-year starting QB because in 2018, his freshman season, he was a starter at Houston. So if we're thinking only between – First-time starting quarterbacks. The options, Phil Jerkovic, Chase Bryce, potentially Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech. Haven't gotten the word about who's starting there. And, of course, Brendan Armstrong from Virginia. Out of those four, I'm going with Chase Bryce, as you said. Um, just the most all-around guy. He has all the tools, arm strength, accuracy, as good with his legs. Um, and, obviously, he had a good team around him at Clemson, but he was successful in his time. He actually, I think, even as a backup in garbage time, he put up over a 1,000 passing yards, but he never started a game in the process, which is just crazy. 
But anyway, um, moving on, we did uh, – we each had two accolades, like, kind of specific to what we're interested in. Um, so for me, I did shortest and tallest players to score a touchdown. I kind of was interested in that. Uh, so for shortest, I think a lot of you would assume just assume it's Tutu Atwell uh, from Louisville. But he's actually 5'9", and there's tons of talent in the ACC that are 5'8". North Carolina's Michael Carter, um, Pitt's Vincent Davis, and Syracuse's Nikeem Johnson are all 5'8", and I expect all three of them to be um, relevant to significant pieces in their offense. So it's got to be a tie between those three. And for tallest player, um, so there's a, there's a couple options here. There's Ray Rose, who's a four-star true freshman at North Carolina, 6'11". But – so that's just crazy height there. That's basketball player height at, at the wide receiver position for UNC. But there's also not 100% chance he plays. So if he doesn't, it's got to be one of the 6'7 guys, one of the 6'7 tight ends, Carrie Angeline, the NC State tight end, or Tony Poljan the um, Central Michigan transfer to Virginia or also the wide receiver from Virginia, Lavelle Davis. So that's kind of what we did. We each had our own accolades specific to what we were interested in. What were you thinking for your um, two accolades for yourself? Yeah. So just to touch on your two accolades real quick, I definitely would have thought it'd been Tutu Atwell. So definitely surprised to, to hear that he's not even the shortest real star player in the ACC, to be honest with Michael Carter being mentioned. Um, but uh, with the tallest player, I thought for sure I might hear a Charles Snowden in there. I think he's six seven, six eight, depending on where you look. Um, I, if I remember correctly, they, they've used him in some sort of packages before on the goal line. So thought that may have been a fun one you may have thrown out there. But I mean, obviously he's a defensive <laughs> player. Plus, you did say touchdowns, so pick sixes are included or fumble returns for touchdowns. So I thought maybe Charles Snowden might get mentioned in there as well. Um, but my two, of course, sticking to my wonderful, beloved desire for schedules and, and how the fact that, you know, my life's been miserable this entire COVID time because the schedules literally change every day. I decided to do the hardest and easiest schedules in the ACC. Uh, we'll kick it off with the easiest. Um, I think it's got to go to North Carolina. I'm not going to say that John Swafford's bias kicked in here, but I'm definitely not a fan of how North Carolina really kind of lucked out with their schedule for 2020. So, you know, with that being said, as the Orioles just beat the Blue Jays, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt that, but I got really excited because I'm watching that in the background. But with that being said, you know, I think that North Carolina escaping the fact that they don't have to play Clemson is huge. Um, the fact that they get to host Wake Forest at home kind of helps. Um, obviously, Notre Dame at home in a year like this is pretty great. Plus, I, obviously, North Carolina is not going to have fans for the first month, so that kind of factor into it a little bit and kind of get rid of that home field advantage that they kind of you kind of saw last season with the the Tar Heels. But I definitely will have to go with um, North Carolina with the easiest, the hardest. Wake Forest. I mean, come on, the fact that they've got you know, their home games are their toughest games with Clemson and Notre Dame and Louisville, but or excuse me, they're at Louisville this year, but right, yeah. No, yeah, they're at Louisville. But at the same time, you know, they're at UNC. But then they're, you know, the more winnable games are on the road. So, 
Um, not ideal for these guys. So I'm going to have to go with Wake Forest, the toughest one there. I mean, there are some other mentions you could, you could probably throw in there. Uh, Florida state schedule is not, not, not nice. Um, I think Notre Dame schedule is pretty, uh, pretty easy comparatively. I mean, obviously they're not, their schedule, they added four teams compared to the two that most of these ACC teams play, uh, added. Um, but that's kind of where my head was at for those. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Dan. If not, then, you know, yeah, we'll wrap this up. I'm just – I'm going to have to disagree with you for most – for easiest schedule. I agree about the hardest with Wake. Easiest, I think NC State, just on the utter fact that I think Clemson and Notre Dame are far above the rest of the conference, or at least Clemson is. And they're the only team that avoids both of them. So – that's just what I'm gonna have to go with. But besides that, those are good points. I guess I guess I just I, I gave North Carolina the nod just because of the fact that they get to play NC State and NC State has to play North Carolina, and we're going based off with those teams being better. <laughs> so maybe that's where that. But I, I agree. I definitely think the note avoiding Notre Dame and Clemson is is huge for NC State, especially because you know as, as an NC State fan, you finally you finally get a year to avoid Clemson, and you get to avoid Notre Dame as they join the conference. That really is you know that's a that's a fair point. I guess I'm maybe just leaning more towards how it will actually affect the grand scheme of the ACC, you know, conference runs. But um, with that being said, Dan, I think that wraps this up. Again, we're going to, you know, talk uh, either Thursday or Friday of this week, maybe even Wednesday, depending on our schedules. Uh, so later this week, we'll talk our power rankings, combining our personal power rankings with the power rankings of you, the listeners. So I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what y'all have had to say. I think Dan has most of that wrapped up, but, and then, you know, this time next week, we should be previewing week one of ACC football. So uh, Dan, I, I can tell you right now, I'm pretty excited. I think this weekend, uh, barring some craziness, I might be sneaking off to a division one football game this weekend. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but um, yeah, football, knock on some wood here, is back, Dan. And I know, I know I'm excited, and I'm sure you are too. Yeah, um, very much so. I'm just crossing my fingers. But, um, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. And um, go ACC.